Hey, what's up, everybody? On this week's Sportlight Podcast, we sit down with the coach of Southern Virginia University, former coach of the Navy Midshipmen, and a former coach at Brigham Young University in football, Joe DePay. And we talked to Joe about the coaches that he's interacted with, what he's learned from them, and the lessons that he's learned both from sports and from being at that incredible Naval Academy. It was a super engaging conversation. You'll love it. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. Everybody, thank you for joining us today on the Sportlight Podcast. I'm Dustin Smith. I'm here with Chad Martin. And with our guest today, we've got Coach Joey Dupay. Uh, I, I still call him Joey. You might call him Joe or Coach. But Coach Dupay in the state of Utah especially is, is well known and respected. His family is a uh, legendary football family. The Dupay name has is, is been uh, involved in football around here for for over 40 years. And Joe is currently the head football coach at Southern Virginia University. He's formerly coached uh, or been a coach at the Naval Academy, as well as at BYU and at, I believe some other schools as well, Joe, that we'll have you talk about. I, and tell us a little bit about your background and history before you got into coaching, uh, where you've been as a coach, and then we want to fire, fire away with some questions for you. So, Joe, Welcome to the podcast, and uh, go ahead and, and introduce yourself to us. Awesome, Dustin, Shad. Great to be here with you guys. Um, first of all, I, I just want to tell you guys thank you for everything you do, um, especially today. We need people like you of influence to be able to help mold our youth. You know, I have six boys myself. Um, one's currently in high school football, and another's in Little League, et cetera, and I, I know the demands that these kids have and, and all the challenges they have with social media and just school and life and everything else. And, yeah. and I, I really just want to say thank you to both of you for everything that you do and continue to lead forward and it couldn't be for a better cause. Uh, my background, um, I, I am where I am today because of my, my parents and because of the game of football, right? Um, at a young age, my dad, he's always been around the game of football. So as far back as I can remember, I was, you know, running on the field with him, hanging out at practices, whether it be, man, Granite High School, Cottonwood High School. He became the head coach at Highland High School and then became the head coach at Skyline High School. And and throughout that whole journey, I, I was right in his hip pocket. I think players thought I was really annoying. I would I'd hold the ball for the kickers. I still remember holding the ball for Scott Lieber, who was a phenomenal kicker at the University of Utah. He taught me how to hold, which led into me actually holding in high school and college. And um, I mean, that's that's my life, though. I mean, it, my, I grew up around football. I grew up around faith. And, and those two kind of went hand in hand. And, and we kind of um, kind of journeyed down that that path with my family. And uh, once I got done uh, kind of following my dad around, I, I started playing myself and played Little League football and and then played at Skyline High School. Um Certainly won uh, a lot of games, but more importantly, uh, was blessed with a lot of life les lessons from my from my dad and from the other coaches and players that I was able to associate with. 
Uh, from there, I went down to Snow College in Ephraim, Utah. Um, phenomenal experience there. Uh, Paul Tidwell, Keith Uparesa were two of my head coaches there. Great man. Uh, from there, I went down to Southern Utah, played quarterback there. Uh, had amazing teammates, had great success there before jumping into the coaching ranks. And, and yeah, I've been all over the place. I, I was in Missouri at uh, the University of Missouri S&T, which is a Division II program. I've been at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, California, which is an FCS program. They play in the big sky. We were there for seven years, um, coaching the quarterbacks and coordinating the offense and won a bunch of playoff games. Um, they're struggling now quite a bit, but uh, back when I was there, we were pretty pretty dang good, which was cool. And, and then from there, like you said, I went to Navy and then to BYU and, and then to Southern Virginia and then back to Navy and now back at Southern Virginia. It has been quite a quite a ride. I couldn't have done it without a, an amazing wife, Monica, who also grew up in the Salt Lake area. Um, and you know, the two of us, we have eight kids, and the oldest two are married and off living life. And and as you trickle on down, our youngest is five years old, and he's kind of the mascot. Everybody loves him, and he he's the one that runs around and and all the football t shirts and gear and jumps on couches and and kind of does things that we used to do as kids. And so that's kind of full circle of kind of where I've been and my upbringing and, and uh, could be more grateful for the opportunities that I've had and for uh, the blessing that this great game of football has brought to me into my life. I, uh, Joe, I, I followed you. I was one of those um, players of your dad and my brothers and I, who came in shortly after you had graduated high school. So Joe and I went to the same junior high and high school and didn't grew up not too far from each other but I really didn't meet you until gosh probably well after you had been involved in coaching it had been many years after high school I think that we first finally met and then have done some coaching together but um, I, I'd heard of you um, and I'd heard a lot about your leadership and about your you being a really good quarterback but especially about your leadership and then obviously got to know your dad really well. Still, I'm in touch with your dad. And I've, you know, been out of high school for, oh, geez, almost 30 years. Your dad's still in touch with, with me and my brothers. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to know, I have sons who are also, you know, sons of a coach. Um, and you said you followed your dad around and around the players. And we talk a lot about this, this phrase, the sportlight. It's the name of this podcast. It's the name of, of our book. Uh, sort of the reason for the the why we really call this, especially for athletes, is this sport light, this idea of this attention being given to kids because they can play a sport. Um, but you know, sometimes we it's 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 one thing to understand the sport like when you're talking about a Tom Brady or a LeBron James or somebody, you know. But we try to tell these kids that there's some young kid like you running around when you were in elementary school or junior high school on a high school field who's aware of the kicker still to this day right in 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 the age you're at you still remember the high school kicker when you were a little kid teaching you something um are there you, you don't have to name specific people if you don't want to but if you could just speak to a second about the sport light even at the high school level being a young kid around high school players what good and bad do you remember from them that stood out to you as a young young person um 
you know, that, that kind of emphasizes this idea that, hey, guys, they're watching you. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I love that phrase, the sport light. Uh, so true. And every football player, whether you're playing every snap of the game or just in the uniform, you have that sport light. I mean, the spotlight is on you and uh, people pay attention. You know, I, I remember I was probably six, seven, eight years old. And I, I remember um, one particular player and, and they were super social and they were the star of the team and everybody flocked to that individual. Right. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool. Look at that guy. And then, and then I watched him actually serve a couple of people as I was watching, you know, and he, you know, he, he gave some stuff to some of his peers and then he went over and picked up some garbage and threw it away. And I was like, huh, that guy, that guy just scored four touchdowns and now he's over there helping out. And, and that left an impact on me. Um, I remember another group, and this is probably when I was uh, maybe around 10 years old, and I didn't actually see this, but they were on my dad's team, so I heard about it. Um, he had a rule on his high school football team that there was no alcohol and that drinking was not part of the program. And and there was a small group of, of players and a couple starters that chose to go and party on a weekend, and, and he suspended them. And, and that was huge to me because, I, I don't know, when I was, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, I mean, I lived for these high school football games. It was like the coolest thing ever, right? I'd yeah. wear the the t-shirts and, and and my dad suspended, you know, four or five players. And I was like, well, those are starters. That's an issue, you know? And yeah. um, I honestly can't remember if, if the team actually went on to win or lose that game. Um, I know it had an impact on my life because I saw – that even in a negative way, that sport like can, you know, really show what takes place in life. And it can be an example for the future moving forward about what you need to do as far as, you know, making good and bad decisions. Um, definitely more of the good ones as we learn and grow. But uh, yeah, there's been so many examples. And, you know, even in high school, um, like I said, it doesn't matter whether you're the starter or just somebody wearing the uniform, all eyes are on those guys. They're the ones that are the warriors that put the pads on, that go out and compete and people pay attention. Everybody pays attention. Even adults pay attention. Um, I remember when I was in high school, you know, I had, you know, adults that were, you know, 50, 60, 70 years old, come up and, and talk about, you know, the, whether it be the performance on the field or off the field. So it's not just young kids, it's everybody. And, and the opportunity we have to really just shine that sport light out as wide as we can and have that ripple effect to influence and help other people develop, learn and grow, uh, the better we can, can be at doing so. Yeah. Joel, that's awesome. I respect your father. Some may not know, listening to this podcast, we were talking a little bit before, but your father is the all-time winningest coach in the state of Utah in high school football, 301 victories. And Dustin said something at our pre-show. that Just think about that. That's 30 years of 10-plus victories a year. That That is incredible. But then to hear that he did it the right way, that he didn't compromise his standards. And I know some of the other coaches that you've worked with character has been really important to them coach ken 
I never try to say his last name on a podcast because I'll get it <laughs> wrong. But uh, at Navy, Coach Bronco Mendenhall at BYU, all of them are known for character being a very high priority. And it sounds like you've been surrounded by these coaches, and I'm sure you're that kind of a coach that really values character and understands the sport light. What have you learned from these coaches about developing character, using the game of football to develop character, not just win games? Yeah, that's a great question. And and don't feel bad. Um, a lot of people call him Coach Ken, uh, even on the ABC or NBC broadcast. That, that's pretty standard. So, um, you know, I, I have... I, I've been so blessed and fortunate. Every stop that I've made, I've been surrounded by really, really good men. Um, Ken Niamatololo is is one of the finest human beings that I've ever been around. Um, he's just, um, he gets it. He gets life. He gets how to treat people. He gets the principles that are important to developing men of character. And to be around him and to just see his, not not just his talk about how to be a man and how to love, you know, each and every person in the, in the room and on the football team and, and in the community even. Um, but to watch his example of doing it, you know, it's one to say it, it's another to do it. Uh, he definitely is, is a man that leads by example. And um, the unity that we felt on that football team under Ken Niamatololo was truly a family. Um and there's certain teams, as you look back, where they're really, really close. Um, my senior season at Skyline High School, we were super, super close. We were the most united football team that I've ever been associated with uh, by far. Um, at Snow College, my sophomore year, which was 1995, uh, we were fortunate to beat Ricks two times that particular season. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Uh, but that was a big rivalry. Now that's BYU-Idaho and they don't play football. But um, that team was super, super close. We were very united there. And then at Navy, the culture that Kenny and Matalolo brought in allowed us to be super close. And so um, there's only so many teams that, that you really feel that way. And when you feel that way and you're truly playing for the love of your brother, rather than trying to dominate someone or just beat the crap out of somebody because you hate them, uh, it's a whole different deal and you play at a whole different level. You can play your best football and compete at your highest level when you're doing it for the love of those around you. And that's a huge lesson I learned from Ken Matalolo. Bronco is an absolute stud, great football coach, um, X's and O's, um, systems. Uh, Bronco is a master at creating systems to run a program. And so you know, here I am, I'm the head football coach at Southern Virginia University. Um, without these systems and these practices that I've learned from Bronco, we wouldn't have a chance to go out and recruit and do everything that we need to do. And um, I, I learned so much from him on just how to operate, how to run a program, um, you know, on the back end, the stuff nobody sees, but also how to truly hold somebody accountable and disciplined. Um, obviously we were at BYU, so we had a, an honor code and, and, uh, it was, it was awesome to be right there in the forefront with him to learn and grow with him. And then of course, my dad, uh, who you mentioned, and we've already talked about, um, I mean, those three men right there are 
incredible mentors of mine, um, incredible examples. And really, those are the guys that I've kind of patterned my life after and try and be more like a coach and a father figure and, and just kind of be who I'm supposed to be, the best version of myself. And those are great examples. And, and there's a lot of others, as we know, but those three men have, have really impacted my beliefs, my, my philosophy and, and my coaching and, and me as a person. You know, Joe, Dustin, maybe I can ask a quick question. You said something that probably reminded Dustin and I of our, one of our favorite quotes from G.K. Chesterton when you were talking about Ken Niamatololu. Oh, dang it. I, I don't know if I did that. Uh, oh, so it's all good. Close. Coach Ken. So yeah, you're close. close. I'm working. I'm working. But we, the G.K. Chesterton, kind of a philosopher, English philosopher during the World Wars, said a true soldier fights not because he hates what is in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. And uh, I, that when you were talking about the culture at Navy that was created there, it, it just reminded me of that quote, both the Navy connection and also the, the football connection. You, love is such a better fuel than hate and we live in a society right now where where hate and and opposition and everything is is used so much to motivate people but it seems like true greatness usually comes from the fuel of love and not hate and and we have that uh, one of our key principles is to compete without contempt to compete without hatred, to let love be your fuel, not hate. And I'm just curious, as we try to create that culture with the young people we teach and, and with the teams we work with, how, how did Coach Ken do that? What are some of the things that he did that allowed him to create that culture of love of your brother and your team and your, your community? being your fuel instead of hate being your fuel? Yeah, great question. I, I love that that's a core principle of yours, you know, just the idea of competing um, rather than ha having that, that hatred or that contempt. And, and you're absolutely 100% right. You, you're going to play at a higher level, much higher level, the closer you are as a football team and the more you love the guy on your left and on, the, on your right. And there were, I mean, it's, it's, it's growing a family you can't create this overnight it has to be cultivated it has to be uh something that starts you know as the head coach by surrounding yourself with great leaders great men people that have the same values and kind of see the same direction that you want to take the program so it kind of starts with that and then your support staff so you have to have the right culture within your staff to help carry out your vision and then as you recruit and and look for players to bring into your family right you've got to find guys that that value some of those things and then throughout the process it, it's one it's it's just something you have to facilitate over time now kenny matalolo was at navy for a very long time 20 plus years overall um you know he, he became the head football coach in 2007 so he has been at navy for a very long time and and you know, there was something we, we said quite a bit, which was tradition never graduates. So from when he started building this culture early on, 
then it became its own animal. And I think that's also what happened at Skyline uh, when I was there with my dad and kind of went through the whole 90s. You know, if you look back to the 1990 decade was pure dominance. You know, it's that's what we're seeing now from other programs in the state. But the reason we had that was because we were close. We had a philosophy of caring about each other and then went out and won games because when you, when you love the guy next to you, you're going to work harder for yourself uh, to be better because of the guy next to you, if that makes sense. And so um, lots of little things, um, different activities, um, you know, and uh, programs where you might have uh, players get to know other players. I mean, it, you really have to dig deep and, and allow the team to get to know each other. And that's one of the things, frankly, that scares the tar out of me about moving forward in college football is the transfer portal and the NIL. Um, I'm not saying that I'm opposed to players getting money at all, um, nor am I saying that transferring um, because you're in a just a bad situation for yourself. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But where we're going is more of a direction of entitlement. Uh, we're going more in a direction of what is it about me? How can I get mine? I need more. Just the selfish piece. And that's not family. That's not team. That's not cultivating a winning football program. And Kenny Amatololo was all about being selfless. He was all about caring about every single person in the program. Um, I can't tell you. I mean, Coach Amatololo is a you know 250-pound-plus man. He's a, he's a big guy. And I can't tell you how many times I, he doesn't even know I, I saw this, but I'd see him down the hallway and he'd bend down and grab a piece of paper off the floor. Cause maybe, maybe someone did a hole punch, you know, as we're getting ready for practice and some, a little piece of paper fell out. He'd bend over and pick that paper up and then go throw it away. Cause he was just really detailed about keeping things nice for the players and for the, for the program. Um, so, but who else does that? Right. You know, it, little things like that to just, really show the importance of taking care of the overall big picture of family, keeping things clean, keeping things in a good environment. Um, and, and just being able to show that he cares, you know, about the details of his players and the program. Um, I mean, there's so many little things that go into it, but at the end of the day, it's about a great father and a great wife building a family and then cultivating a family and raising their kids, et cetera. That's, that's kind of what he did. And it takes time. It takes time. It's, it's not something that just happens overnight. Um, and, and that's one of the pieces that made that piece so special is because football in general at the college level is moving more into a prof professional direction, which moves away from this piece, which yeah. I think we all love in the, in the sport. We do. Uh, however, you know, there, there might be times, Joe and Chad, where I wouldn't mind one of my sons or daughters transferring to another family, maybe for a minute or, uh, or uh, <laughs> maybe for a little discipline. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, getting, getting, yeah. getting somebody else to transfer in for a year. Well, yeah, Dustin, I, I'm sure I'm sure that there are times where all of our children would would <laughs> like to hit the transfer portal. Yeah as well yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yep yeah 
they might transfer to you, Dustin. That that yeah. they might choose you. That's yeah, probably that's, where that, my kids would go. I would get up. I know my I know what my kids would love. They'd love an NIL deal with me. They'd love more money. <laughs> Absolutely they would. They'll take whatever and, they can get, right? And and they'd leave for more if it came available, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. No, I um so I want to ask you a question specifically about a day in the life of a cadet at, at Navy, because I met with uh, one of your uh, coaches, one of your assistant coaches uh, or co-coaches when you were at Navy a year or two ago, he was recruiting uh, a player that you ended up offering um, at Spanish Fork High School. And so I spent a lot of time with him just for my own curiosity about what life was. At the time, I was in the middle of a book called Character Carved in Stone, which was written about the West Point uh, Academy and, and what life was like there. Fabulous, uh-huh. fabulous book. So I was really intrigued by what it was like. And when he was going through sort of the day of of a cadet at the Naval Academy, I watched some of the kids that were kind of meeting with him there. And I could tell like they were, no, thank you. Um, I'm not, that's too much. That's too much for me at Navy. But before I jump into that question, I don't want to get off what we were just talking about. You were talking about team and family and brotherhood and all this. And this is for both you and Shad. Um, you know, we, we, we talk about all the things going on in society right now, good and bad. Um, but, but if we're going to talk about the areas in the world that need a little bit of tightening up, um, some areas that maybe aren't ideal, I can always go back to if society worked more like a locker room did where you can bring people in of all different beliefs, all different backgrounds, ethnicities, um, just demographics, right? You bring them all in. And because of the love of one particular sport, and there's arguments and there's fights and there's disagreements, just like there is with every family. But if the right person is kind of leading a little bit, you can create this unbelievable family out of complete strangers. Um, and sometimes it's just for a short term, a short time together, but those relationships here, they are 40 something years later. And I'm, you know, hosting a podcast with Shad and I'm inviting you on Joe and our connection goes back to football years ago at the same high school, right? The same junior high school um, and the same traditions that you did at skyline that I my group took on that your group started many of them how what we'd say when we ran laps how we cut our hair right like everything was things that your group started um to that point if we were talking to a a a new mayor of a community or a a business leader a, a president of a company you know, both of you guys, I'm curious if you have any examples or stories or just your thoughts on how being part of a team is sort of uh, synonymous with elite level communities. You know, what what is it that makes, how could we be more focused on creating our communities, our neighborhoods, our, you know, our church groups, whatever, to be more like a locker room? And why is it that you think that seems to work in sports, but maybe not so much in other areas of the world? Yeah, it's a, it's a really tricky, tricky question. Um, and I've always, I've thought about this a lot and I've always felt that, man, if we just had a football coach run the country, you know, things might be better, you know, but 
Um, it, it really, to me, it comes down to having all eyes on, on the prize. Like in football, we all come together and we all, we want to go win that football game. And, and so the goal initially is we want to be on a team and go win, win the championship. And then through the process of hard work and uh, just holding each other accountable and the discipline that it takes, you become closer and closer together and, and are driven towards that one single goal. Um, so I, I think if I was the mayor, I, I would try and figure out what is it that I can rally these people around where, where you're firing towards one goal and, and, then, and then put in some fundamental practices to work towards that. Um, and that's where it gets tricky because, you know, even you can look at your neighbors two doors down on either side of your house and, and they might want something totally different in the community than, than you want. And, and that's where it gets hard. We're, we're in football. We know exactly what we want. And if, if somebody doesn't want it, he's either going to change pretty fast or he's going to be off the team. Um, and in society, we have to demonstrate more patience and love and, and care and until that person might feel the way that we feel. Um, or we have to agree to disagree, and, and that's always tough also. So um, that, that's kind of what comes to mind for me. Um, Shad, how about you? Yeah, that's profound. First of all, I, I think that's if we could all come together on a common vision. I also think maybe this goes along with that. We have to learn to recognize and appreciate everyone's role in a society. You know, today around the, the town, there's going to be people picking up our garbage, right? There's police officers that are out, that are out helping people and keeping our, our town safe. There, there are plumbers who are fixing things in people's homes. Yeah. And I think we just need to learn to appreciate each other more. A great coaches, and Dustin, we've been able to interview a lot of great coaches. They have a gift for recognizing what each player brings to the team. Even if that player doesn't make it on the field, we had one of my favorite stories was Doug Meacham, won a state championship here in basketball last year, played at the U and, and was a grad assistant at the University of Utah talked about focusing a camera one game on his on his bench and breaking down tape of what the players on the bench were bringing to their team as they cheered them on, greeted them in a timeout and all of those things. I think those things happen more naturally on a team with a great coach. Not all coaches are like that, but when coaches recognize what each individual brings to a team honors it, appreciates it. I think we could do better at that in society of, of looking for what everyone brings, thanking that person, that 30-year-old plus-year-old lady that is sitting there in the drive-through of a McDonald's, working hard, trying to provide for herself. Take time to say thank you and appreciate everybody that does anything for you in your life and if we were more appreciative and recognized what others did for us more sometimes the way great coaches do it in sports i think we'd have a better society yeah love, love it. it and and uh you you mentioned leading by example picking up a piece of trash in the in the hallway little things that people might notice and say 
okay, if he does that, I should do that. And and when the sport light is on a, a young boy or girl and a, a young kid sees that, um, maybe they'll pick up the piece of trash because coach did or because, yeah. you know, so-and-so on the basketball team did. Um, Joe, I, I want you and Chad in, in our pre-discussion uh, before we started recording this episode, we did want to give you a chance at some point to talk about Southern Virginia University because it's not a location that a lot of people or a school that everybody is familiar with. Um, however, it's a beautiful campus with beautiful um, opportunities to grow and learn and, and athletic program out there. But your position at Navy, and I've even told you this when we've talked over the years, and I was sincere in it, that it as difficult as I'm sure it would be for me, that would be a I would love the chance to coach ball at Navy because the kind of guys that you get to come play for you at Navy are these kinds of, they're no nonsense. I'm, they're, they're big boys. Right. And uh, they know what they're getting into or they're, they're not there very long. Um, they have some core beliefs if they're going to join the Naval Academy, because they're not just there for football. They're, they're making a commitment for the rest of their life. Um so tell me a little bit and chat and our, our listeners, what's the life like for an 18-year-old kid at the Naval Academy who wants to play football and why, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to take as much of that as you can, I'm, I'm guessing and knowing you, I'm sure this is true, try to bring as much of that dedication and discipline and, and accountability to your your this coaching job and your future coaching jobs. Yeah, no, that's a really, really good point, Dustin, and you're exactly right. There's so many great lessons that I've learned at uh, multiple stops will come with me uh, as we move forward. And uh, first of all, one thing that's critical to know is that at the Naval Academy, they are midshipmen, not cadets. Okay. At Air Force and Army, they are cadets. And I, I just point okay. that out because for the listeners out there, they'll be like, what? He's calling us a cadet. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry, guys. Don't come and. Don't go yeah. beat me up. I don't mess with the, the I don't mess with the Navy midshipmen. My bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it's a it's such a unique place. I actually have a son that's there right now. He's a senior and he's a midshipman at Navy, and he'll graduate this May. Couldn't be more proud of him. Jackson is his name, and and uh, Jackson uh, didn't play football. He played lacrosse, and and every student at the Naval Academy is required to pick something extracurricular to do between four and six o'clock. So varsity football players are obviously having practice between four and six. Jackson chose to join the sailing team. Now I never took him sailing, but he now is like a professional sailor. Like they went out and did com competitions. He took a sailboat like down to Bermuda. I mean, all over the Atlantic ocean and, and stuff that I'll never do. Um, but when he graduates, he will then have a five-year service assignment. Um, he, he's selected to go Navy pilot, kind of like Tom Cruise and Top Gun. And so I'm fired up for him. Um, but every midshipman has those demands. Football players have even a little bit more of a demand. And so the daily life um, is, is structured a lot like a high school student's life, to be honest. But the demands are just more intense throughout the day. Uh, for example, they'll wake up just like a, a high school junior does, and they'll have breakfast at you know 6 a.m. or 6.30 in the morning. 
Um, there's four classes that, that take place in the morning before lunch, and they're an hour long. And then at 1130, they'll have a break for an hour and a half to eat lunch and do homework. All right. Just like any college, uh, those classes could be first, third, and fourth period on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. On Tuesday, Thursday, they could be, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, et cetera. So it's kind of like college is that way. Um, after lunch, there's a fifth and a sixth period class. Um, again, all players don't have those classes. They might have a fifth, usually not a sixth, because at that point for an athlete, um, especially at the college level, you need to grind in the training room. You need to find as much time as you can to get in the training room, uh, whether it be ice, stem, get the boots on. There, there's a lot of things that have to be done to keep your body at, at optimal level. Um, and then, of course, after after they get their treatment, um, you know, we have position meetings and special teams meetings, and we're on the field from four to six, um, never longer. Uh, Coach Neil Matalolo was very good about running a very tight program. Uh, we were very efficient with our time. As soon as uh, practice ended, they were off and running to, to get treatment that they might need, get dinner, and then they'd go study. So kind of like a high school student, after practice, you go home, get dinner, and then you got to put in the work, okay? In college athletics, if you don't put in the work academically, you're not going to have the opportunities that you might think you're going to get. So you need to put in the work academically. Um, at Navy, um, instead of working on maybe just an art project for art class, they're actually working on uh, some like serious math homework or uh, chemistry or whatever, engineering. It's, it's high-level stuff, and um, they'll try and get in bed as soon as they can, but they got to get the work done. And so a lot, of, a lot of guys are going to bed probably midnight, 1230, on a good night, 1130. Leading up to finals, you're pulling some all-nighters here and there. Um, I had a student that I absolutely love. I coached him. His name is Travis, and he was a 4.0 student at the Naval Academy, which is really, really hard to do, really hard to do. And during finals, um, he, he, he couldn't stay awake in meetings. I said, Travis, did you stay up all night last night? He looked up and kind of groggy, and he, coach, I actually did. You know, and I'm like, all right, I got it. You know, I, I'm with you, you know, good deal. Keep up the good work. And so it is a grind. It is a grind. And, and, and those midshipmen really just learn how to uh, take care of so many core principles the right way because they are going to become leaders of our country um, in a very quick approach. And so that's kind of the day in the life of a midshipman. Do they have commitments to the Naval Academy after, after they graduate? Yeah, so the way it works is after they graduate, they actually are commissioned uh, officers in the Navy or the Marine Corps. Uh, you know, the Marine Corps is a branch of the Navy. And so um, it's not until after they graduate that they have, it's a five-year service commitment. And they can extend that out or they can stop at five. It just depends on what the, what the individual wants. Uh, but while you're in school, you're actually a student. Um, you do wear uniforms, you know, and, uh, but it's school, it's, it's homework, it's football, it's homework, it's football, it's social life. It's, it's college football. Right. Um, 
But then after you graduate, you have that five-year commitment. There's not a lot of time for uh, video gaming is what, at, at the Naval Academy. There's not a lot of ex- extra time for that. Yeah, now, I yeah. will say a couple people sneak it in here and there as they become yeah. further along in their career. But uh, those are the ones that also understand time management and yeah. are doing really good in school because everyone yeah. else is with a tutor trying to catch up. Hey, Dustin, th- this is awesome. Uh, we have about 10 minutes here. I'm wondering if we could do some some quick fire questions and and have you, Joe, answer a few questions just uh, that we have in maybe 10 to 15 seconds, uh, just quick fire style. And then we'll end maybe with talking about the benefits of of a school like Southern Virginia and end the podcast like that. Does that sound okay? Dustin? Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, that's great. So, Joe, awesome. we like to do a, a rapid fire segment where we'll just throw quick questions out at you. Okay, you ready? All right. I'm ready. Bring it on. All right. Um, where'd you meet your wife? I, I knew who my wife was because she sang. She was part of the Taylors. They used to sing on hot 94, nine. And I knew who she was. Uh-huh. And my best, one of my best friends, Steve Ayers was cousins with her. But in high school, he would never set me up because I think he thought she was way out of my league, which she <laughs> probably was. Um, after my mission, um, at Steve's wedding reception, I knew she would be there. That's where I made my move, and I fortunately lucked out. She went on a date with me, and and game over. <laughs> did you think? Did you think when you married her? Did either one of you think you'd have eight kids? Uh, we always wanted to have a big family. I kind of thought four to six would be kind of the sweet spot. Uh, she's the one without question that was like, "Hey, listen, we need to have another one." And then again, "Hey, listen, we need to have another one." So uh, she was the driving force in number seven and number eight. And uh, but yeah, we always want to have a big family. Whose whose bathrooms are cleaner? Your boys' bathroom or the girls' bathroom? Oh, the girls, not even close. <laughs> not even close. Our boys are boys, man. It's yeah. it's uh they're fun to be around, but the girls. Yeah. Uh you're uh the 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 worst loss you ever had in football. Oh whew. you know, you 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 you're you're fortunate to have some amazing wins, and you also get those unfortunate losses. Uh, in 2019 at, at Navy, we had the best season that Navy has recorded in the history of the program. However, Notre Dame laid it on us. Notre Dame, holy cow. I, I mean, we got them a couple times, two times while I was at Navy, but they laid it on us. It was a brutal, brutal afternoon. The, the Army-Navy game. Something everybody should try to attend at some point in their life? Without question. Can't beat the Army-Navy game. The rivalry, it's America's game. You need to go if you can get there. Make it a point to get there. Um, The rivalry is real, but the respect and just the pure um, opportunity to realize how grateful we as a country are to truly understand that and be part of that. Um, you can feel it in the stadium. And that's that's the thing that truly separates that place. Okay. Awesome. Chad, do you have any? Yeah, I do. Uh, just real quick on our principles here, Joe. What has sports taught you about resilience? Man, you talk about resilience in sports, um, persevering, uh, doing everything that you possibly can and need to do 
to get to the finish line. Um, you know, in the moment, you might feel like eating a cheeseburger, and that sounds great. And that cheeseburger is not going to kill you, but it's not going to help you get to that goal. Perseverance means you got to pull up a water bottle every once in a while and drink that. Um, my boys tease me all the time, like, Dad, you need to drink more water. Um, they're, they're teaching perseverance, you know, and that's kind of cool. You can learn from youth, just like you can learn from books and adults and mentors and everybody else. Awesome. What have you learned about the price of greatness in athletics and life as you've gone to these higher levels of sports? Uh, the price of greatness, um, it doesn't matter what it is in life. If you want something bad enough, if you want something that is truly great, whatever your goal is, if you want that, you you have to pay the price. And the price is going to be different depending on what that goal is. But you have to be willing to pay the price. Anything that is great, you're going to need to work for, bottom line. And today, people might feel and believe that you can just snap your fingers and get something. That is not the truth when it comes to greatness. If you want uh, you know, a hot pocket in the microwave, sure, that's the 45 seconds or whatever. If you want to win a state championship, if you want to be an elite athlete, at the division one level or in the NFL, you need to put in the work. There's just no way around it. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about a musician or an athlete, it, it, you have to put in the work. That's awesome. Now I want to, I want to end Dustin and I are both products of this. I played at Rick's college with Dustin and at Cal state LA, a division two baseball school. And uh, I've been out to beautiful Buena Vista, Virginia, where you coach right now, and the lessons at the lower divisions of of college, you know, the Division Two, II, Division Three, NIA, whatever it is, are just as impactful to a life as as at Alabama University, right? And I would just yep. love to give you an opportunity. We have a lot of people here who might be interested in going out, continuing, not shutting the door on their sports career, but going out and continuing their career there at Southern Virginia. And would love you just to tell us a little bit about the benefits of, of Buena Vista, Virginia, of Southern Virginia University, and, and of playing there. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll tell you what. Southern Virginia University is it, it's, it's just a little diamond out there in the middle of nowhere, and it is such an amazing place. Um, we, we have between 1,000 and 1,500 students, and that's intentional because that allows us to have really small class sizes, which means when you go to college, you're going to college to set yourself up, to set life up so that you can have great success for the next 40 years. It's four years for 40, right? Well, we're going to graduate you in four years. The average students graduate in six. We're going to graduate you in four and then you're going to have resources because of the small class sizes and the incredible professors and teachers we have to go have great success for 40 years. Now, football-wise, there are no Division II or Division III football programs in the state of Utah. And there are thousands of phenomenal young men that love the game of football. I'm looking for the guys that love the game of football, that love to compete, that love to be part of a great program. Those are the guys I'm looking for. Um, at Southern Virginia, it is 90% um, LDS. So it's a strong Christian faith-based institution. 
It's an amazing environment. And so to take somebody from Utah County, Salt Lake County, um, North Utah, wherever it might be, to, to fly across the country, have an opportunity to live somewhere outside of Utah with great people in a great environment and play college football. Are you kidding me? Like, if you love this game, let me play. If I can't walk on at BYU, if, if I can't get on it somewhere local, let's go. Okay. I, dial me up. Let's make this thing happen. Um, it, it's really an amazing place. And, and the competition is no joke. It's, it's a fierce, competitive football league. And what an opportunity to set yourself up for life because we know that through athletics, you get the life lessons you need to become a great father, to become a great husband. And, you know, obviously I'm talking more about football, but we have 20 plus sports at Southern Virginia. I mean, every sport you possibly might play, we have those sports. And so it really is just a special place. And it's only been around for about 20 years. And it's only become more serious about football and overall athletics over the past probably five to 10 years. Um, probably really about seven years. <laughs> and, and so where this thing's going to go over the next 10 years is through the roof. And so it's a great opportunity for many, many, many individuals to go and, and build character, to learn and, and just add value to your own life, which in return will add value to your future as you become husbands, fathers, uh, wives, mothers, whatever it might be. Um, but that, that's a little bit about Southern Virginia. I couldn't be more excited to be there right now simply because of the opportunity I have to go and, and develop men of character and win a bunch of football games. And that's what we're going to do. Well, Joe, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you coming on and talking with Shad and me and, and to the listeners out there, you've said it now three or four times in this episode, uh, men of character. Um, and you said that not just because it's a catchphrase for you, it's because that's how you coach and the coaches that you've been around. That's, that's the, the things you're taking from them or how to build real men, uh, not necessarily how to cross over the goal line, which I know is important to you, but I know you and your family and, and your, your core, you're about building people the right way. And so from one coach to another, I appreciate you, man. And, uh, all your dad and your family's done for me and so many other young men like me and, and, and Shad. And, you know, we're, we're grateful for coaches like you in the world and keep it up, brother. We're proud of you. Keep fighting. And uh, what I can do in my role and Shad's role out here to get kids to come play for you. I'll always endorse Joe Dupay as a coach. Love to have you coach my son someday. Let's do it. Appreciate it, brother. All right, Let's man. keep up the great work. I really appreciate all you're doing. Like I said earlier, all right, guys. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us this for this episode of the podcast. Eyes up, do the work. This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org slash book.